thank you for this day and for this time. Thank you for allowing us to see the first Sunday of a new week, a new month, a new year, January 3rd, January 2nd, rather, 2022. We just thank you, Lord, for this day, for this is the day that you, the Lord, have made, and we'll rejoice and be glad in it. Thank you, Lord, for our church family, some of which are local, some of which are out of the country, some of which are out of state, some of which are in different time zones, but we know, Lord, that wherever we are, we are with you. We are in your presence. We are in your company. And Lord, we just thank you where there are two or three gathered together in your name. You're in the midst. You're with us, Lord. And that's the most important part of our service that we are worshiping you, Lord, in your presence, in spirit and in truth. Please touch your word. Open the hearts of our understanding. May we grasp what you want us to know. May we do the things that you want us to do and be obedient in all things, pleasing in your sight. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, so we're embarking on this new um, <clears throat> this new study, enjoying revelation. It'll not it'll include more than just revelation. It'll we'll be talking about the prophecy, some of the prophetic books in the Old Testament, and particularly Daniel, Ezekiel, Zechariah. We'll be talking about some of the prophetic passages in the New Testament, particularly Matthew 24, 25, and others. We're going to try to give you a comprehensive approach of what's called eschatology, the study of end times, the study of the last days. So all of our focus won't be directly on revelation. All of our focus won't be directly on prophecy. We're just going to try to give you the word of God so that it will equip you and get you prepared for what is to come. For as Revelation 1-3 says, the time is near. So that's the goal. My goal is not to do a deep academic study. This will not be a super, super deep dive into Revelation. I'm not that smart. I am learning this as we go as well. I am a student of God's word, not a scholar. We are trying to learn, not for the point or for the fact of scholarship. We're trying to learn for the point of the need of transformation. We're learning the word to be like Jesus. Yeah. Revelation is about Jesus. God's word is about Jesus. We're trying to be like Jesus. That's it. We're not trying to be smart. We're not trying to be scholars. We're not trying to be academicians. We're trying to be like Jesus. Yeah. We want to be changed. Yeah. We want to be holy. We want to be righteous. Right. We want to be real. Yeah. That's what we're trying to do. Be real. Yeah. Amen? Amen. We're trying to get it right. So I'm going to, to the best of my ability, incorporate the ABCs of Bible study. Accuracy, balance, and clarity. Those will be our driving points. And as I said in Friday night service, our watch night service, that I pray that this year, this 2022 year, that it'll be an enlightening year, a year of repentance, a year where we say to God, I'm sorry, please forgive me. A year where we say to the Lord, I want to learn. I want to open up my heart. I want to discard the things that I used to do or used to think or thought was right or think is right. And Lord, I want you to teach me through your word. Yes. I want to be wide open. 
I want to do away with any preconceived notions or ideas I have and, and come to you to the bowl of the boldly to the throne of grace and humbly ask as you're at your feet, Lord, teach me, help me to learn. And as sister Fanny and sister Lillian, so adequately and articulately said, we ask the question daily as we study, why, why am I reading this? Why am I doing this? Why am I attending worship? Why, what do Lord, do you want me to know? Amen. Amen. So let's just jump right in. Revelation. Let me just start with a little fun time of fact and fiction because I've heard things over the years that I just thought, well, this is a good time to correct some of these things. Let me start with fact number one. The entire book of Revelation is not prophecy. I know people think that, but some of the book of Revelation is not talking about future events. Most of it is but some of it, it is, some of it is not. So if you're ever asked all oh, that revelation, that's just a book about prophecy. That's future stuff. It's not all future. Actually, some of revelation is history. Some of revelation is present and some of revelation is future. Okay. That's one piece of fiction. I wanted to dispel right out the jumper that all of revelation is not future. Let me, uh, let me say something else about uh, revelation. The book is not called revelations. I've heard people say that over years and years and years, all the book of revelations or revelations It's not revelations, plural it's revelation singular. And it's the, it's, if you want to be technical, the book is entitled the revelation of Jesus Christ. That's what the, it's not the revelation of the future. It's, it's not all Armageddon, 666, Antichrist. You know, it, it's not, you know, just a book about the end of the world. It's the revelation, singular, of Jesus Christ, singular. Uh, the next item is the book of Revelation is not a book of doom and gloom. Some people think that revelation is just all dragons and, and, and six headed beasts. The book of revelation is a book of blessing. And I told you I was privileged with the uh, honor of, of being a research assistant for Bishop Smith years and years ago, who wrote a book on revelation entitled revelation in which he made me a co-author. But in that book, enjoying revelation, the, the thrust, the thrust of our purpose in writing the book was to teach and promote the idea of revelation as a book to be enjoyed. It's a book of rejoicing, a book of celebration, a book of victory, a book of triumph yes, yes, yes. and a book of blessings. And as, as a matter of fact, the very third verse in the book, revelation one, three is so clear. It, it says, blessed is he that readeth the King James version and they that hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written in it for the time is at hand. So there's a blessing. The new living translation renders it. God blesses the one who reads the words of this prophecy to the church. So there's, if you just read revelation, if you read it and you listen to it, you obey it, 
The Bible says there's a built-in blessing. You're blessed right off the bat. Joyful are you. Blessed are you. Successful are you. Prosperous are you for just reading the book. Let me say this too. Fact or fiction. The book of Revelation is not a closed book. That is, it's not just for your four and no more. The book of Revelation is an open book. It's to be read and understood by all believers of all generations. That's found actually in Revelation 22.10. The book is an open book. God told John, don't close this book. Don't seal this book. This book needs to be open for everyone of all generations. The first century through the end of time. Amen. It's not a closed book. It's not for a selected few. Here's another fact or fiction. The book of Revelation is not written in code or mysteries. That's another misconception. The book of Revelation was written for normal believers. It was written for typical people from typical language used in the Old Testament. As a matter of fact, many verses in the book of Revelation are from, actually I had it written down here somewhere, are, are directly from the Old Testament. I think I have it here. There's 200 and I think there's 414 verses in Revelation. 278 of those verses are direct references from the Old Testament. So reading the Old Testament was mandatory. It was a prerequisite to understanding the word of God in the first century and throughout all centuries, quite frankly. So we need an understanding of the book of Revelation. You don't need to be an expert or a so-called scholar. You just need to know that the book of Revelation is from the Old Testament. It gets its bearings. It gets its foundation from the Old Testament. It's not a mysterious book of doom and gloom that's hidden to all people. Matter of fact, it starts in the beginning of the book. Chapters two and three are addressed to the seven churches in Asia Minor. That's present day Turkey, by the way, for you geographical buffs. And that those churches there, those seven churches were representative, I believe, of all churches because there are a lot more than seven churches in the first century. There are a lot more than seven churches in Asia Minor. I think the seven churches that were selected, Laodicea, Ephesus, Sardis, uh, Philadelphia, those churches were representative, I believe, of churches then and now. And we'll talk about that as we delve more into chapter three of Revelation. We, have, we won't get there today, but we'll, sometime in the future, we'll talk about those seven churches and the purpose, I believe, that they are listed there right at the beginning of the book. Another thing about Revelation is that it, it doesn't mean that it's the end of the world. Some people look at Revelation as, oh my, that's it. It's the end of the world. It's all over. Matter of fact, the word apocalypse, which is, which is what Revelation means in the Greek, comes from the Greek word apocalypsis, which actually means revelation. So when you hear about apocalyptic literature or apocalyptic writings, you think of the end of the world or doom and gloom, but it actually means revelation. And what's revealed, Jesus is revealed. The revelation is a joyous revelation according to Revelation 1, chapters 1, verse 17 and 18, where it talks about the apocalypse being a revelation 
of who Jesus Christ is. It's an unveiling of Jesus Christ so that we see him, both believers and unbelievers, in all of his glory and all of his majesty and all of his dominion as sovereign God, King of kings, Lord of lords. The purpose of Revelation is another mystery. The purpose of Revelation is not to scare us. Don't be afraid of this book. It's not a book of fear. It's not a book of terror. It's not a book of torture. It, it is actually a book of warning and hope to believers. And it's stated right there in verses 4 and 6 in chapter 1 of the purpose of Revelation. It's to reveal the full identity of Jesus, to give us as believers hope, to give us purpose, to let us know the, as Sister Fanny, Sister Lillian said, the why, the why of Christianity, why we're believers, why we're saved, why we're in this battle. Amen. You all should be rejoicing already because it's going to just get better. It's only going to get better. I'm not going to be long today. I promise I'm going to try to stick around, you know, the traditional 30 minutes. But uh, I'm, I just want you guys to be excited about this book because this is a book of blessings. It's not a book of fear. It's not a book of torment. It's a book of joy. And you guys, I pray, are going to walk away in a few weeks or months, however long it takes, <laughs> hopefully weeks. I'm not gonna, like I said, I told you guys the other night, I'm doing Revelation from like 30,000 feet. We're not going to get deep into the woods and into the weeds. I may try to explore some things that I think are germane to making the point and conveying a revelation of Jesus Christ that will be helpful to us at church. But I'm not going to try to, just to, just to for, for you that might be a little weary, or the naysayers. I'm not going to try to decode every symbol. I'm not going to try to decode every mystery. We're not going to try to, you know, to go into, um, you know, go where no man has gone before and just unravel all the mysteries of the universe. I said I'm not that smart. I'm not that deep. And that's not my mission. My mission is to look at Revelation purely from a standpoint of how does it help us today? How does it help us in January, February, March of 2022 in the United States? How does it help us right now? What does it mean to me today, Pastor? Don't tell me about dragons and dinosaurs. How does this book relate to me right now in the present? What's in it for me? What moves the needle in my life? What moves my relationship with Jesus Christ forward from this book? And that's my marching orders. Those are my marching orders to make Revelation relevant, to make Revelation contemporary, to make Revelation meaningful to us right now, here and now. Amen? Amen. That's where I'm going with this. I'm not going to tell you what every symbol, every number 666 armageddon the the bulls the angels the six-headed beast the wings the I, i'm not going to go into all of that but i what, what i will do to the best of my ability by the by the help of the lord is help you understand the theme of the book the purpose of the book the the drive of the book the, the direction of the book the energy of the book that will move us forward spiritually. Here's one more thing about Revelation and fact or fiction. Uh, Revelation does include imagery. It does include symbolism and numerology 
and supernatural beings and strange beasts. But that's not the purpose of it. That was a specific genre of the time. From about 200 BC to about 100 AD, there was a lot of apocalyptic writing. It was a genre, writing style that a lot of writers use because they had this obsession with the end of the world and God's judgment. So this apocalyptic literature that you see in, in Zechariah and Daniel and Ezekiel here in Revelation, this was, was, this was a part of their, their writing impetus at the time. It was a subject that they were very concerned with and there were many prophets and even secular writers that were writing on end times literature and themes. And Revelation fits into that, that literary form or that apocalyptic style of literature. But you need to know that the book, in terms of its message, the book in terms of its core meaning, it is about Jesus Christ. It is about salvation through Jesus Christ. It is about triumph through Jesus Christ. It is about victory through Jesus Christ for we believers. So we should look forward to this. Maranatha is the word that comes to mind, which means come Lord Jesus. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. So this book, you when you see all these beasts and dragons and so forth, what you need to know is that this is imagery these are metaphors, sometimes symbols and numerology that are really talking about warfare, some of which in the physical, because I believe that the book of Revelation should be interpreted literally, should be a literal translation. Don't try to symbolize and, and make everything a mystery or some sort of hidden meaning. That's when I think people go off the rails and get into private interpretations and walk away with the wrong meaning. The book of Revelation should be interpreted literally. These things are, are real things. I, I love what Paul says in Ephesians 6, 12. He says, for we wrestle not, and this is what you need to look at when you're understanding uh, Revelation, when you're reading Revelation, that it's not just talking about the physical world, but it's also talking about spiritual warfare, the spiritual world. Ephesians 6, 12 says, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. These are demons, angelic beings, wicked beings, Satan's army of evil, Satan's army of, of, of demonic spirits and powers that are trying to oppress us, depress us, suppress us, control us, rule us. And when you look at Ephesians 6, 12, it says that this is all happening out in the air. Yes, yes, yes. This is happening where weapons of normal warfare will not work. Uzis and machine guns and AK-47s and other weapons will not work against this enemy. This is a spiritual warfare. We are in a spiritual battle for our life, and the devil is not taking prisoners. He is not giving passes. He does not rest. The Bible describes him in Peter as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. He is out, as according to John 10, 10, just to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants nothing more to, but to wipe us out, and if he cannot kill us, 
physically like he tried to do with Job in Job chapters 1 and 2. And God said, you can do whatever you want to him, but just don't touch his life. If the devil can't kill us, then he'll try to, he'll try to mute us. He'll try to leave us ineffective. He'll try to demoralize us. He'll try to rob us of our testimony and our effectiveness and our witness and our testimony. He'll try to take away from us our effectiveness to be a witness, to be salt and light. And that is almost as good as a victory of death for him. Because if, we're, if we are rendered useless, and we are rendered ineffective, and we have lost our seasoning as salt, and we have lost our light as a lamp, then what good are we? Jesus said we might as well be just tossed away. Our lights need to shine. We need to be bright. We need to bring season. We need to bring flavor to the world. We need to be different. That's the one thing that bothers me so much about contemporary Christianity. It's like we're trying to include everything. We have this inclusive nature. We have this, this like feel good, like let's not offend anyone. Let's not be too different. Let's not be weird. Let's not be creepy. Let's not be the guy that's always, you know, straight laced and, and buttoned up and buttoned down. And let's not be that guy. You're going to be weird. You're going to be, you know, an outcast. Don't worry about that. The church is making a mistake trying to make being a believer, being a Christian hip and cool and politically acceptable and, 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 and socially uh, amenable. It, that's not what we're trying to do. Jesus didn't come down here to try to be accepted on social media. He doesn't care how many likes he gets on Facebook. He doesn't care how many followers he has on Twitter. We need, we need to embrace being a royal priesthood, a peculiar people, a chosen nation, a called out one, sanctified. We need to embrace that. Yes, be, a, be proud that you're a believer. Yes. Be proud that you're different. Yes. Be proud that you're trying to live holy and righteous. Be proud that you may not be politically correct on all the social issues or all the issues of the time. Be proud that you are called out one, a chosen one. Be proud that God selected you. Be proud that you're God's property. Be proud that you have been chosen among millions to be the Lord's people, his son and daughter. Be cool with that. Don't feel like you have to mix that you have to dress and look and talk and act and frequent the places and do the things that the world does. Don't think that you're that you gotta be cool. Be cool for Jesus. Don't be ashamed of him. For he said that we are, he'll be ashamed of us before his father who is in heaven. Don't be ashamed of the Lord. Don't be afraid that people criticize you for being a holy roller or a goody two-shoes or a Pollyanna or you all try to be all straight-laced and you who you think you are, you better than us, you judging us. Don't, don't get sucked into that vortex of evil. Don't get into that. You are better than that. We are better than that. God validates us. God gives us purpose. God gives us reason to live. 
God gives us credibility. We don't have to have street cred. We get credibility through Jesus Christ. I am a child of the king. I am a chosen one. I have been picked out of millions of people. God saw fit to save me. Little old Mamie son from Akron, Ohio. God saw fit to give me a chance for eternal life. I am so thankful for that. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, according to Romans 1.16. I'm not, it is the power unto salvation. It is the power of life. Mm. Yes. Hallelujah. Yes. Don't, don't, don't try to lower the bar or lower the standard to draw others or have friends that cause you to compromise your biblical convictions. If your friends want you to do something that's not like God's word, you need to find new friends, new associates. You need to get another posse to run with, or you need to run solo as the lone wolf because they will pull you down. The world, I don't care how well-meaning they are and how much you know, benevolence they try to show. Ain't nothing out there in those streets but death, destruction, confusion. Because Satan only comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. He's not coming to give you life and life more abundantly. He may say he is. He may say, oh, man, you need to get more prosper. I can get you money. I can get you moved up. Better neighborhood, better status, better job title, a corner office, uh, more money, uh, more vacation time, more health, more wealth. That's a lie. It's all temporary. It's a facade. It's a honeypot. It's going to just suck you in and destroy you. But what God offers is the real deal, life eternal, not just in the present. But in the future, I love what Andre Crouch says in the sign. I know I quote this a lot. If heaven never was promised to me, neither God's gift to live eternally, it's been worth just having the Lord in my life living in a world of darkness he brought me the light let me wrap this up because i haven't even gotten into the outline i haven't i haven't even gotten into verse one uh and i'm out of time and uh i i knew i was just going to be too pumped I just knew it. I knew I was going to have more than I could say in 30 minutes. And I just knew I was going to be wired for sound. <laughs> it just fired up. But I, all, all I can say is that this book is so good. I've been living with this book now. Boy, that downstairs in, 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 um, in my little office, I got about 20 books on the book of Revelation from different viewpoints, different angles, uh, books that I've had for years, some books I've recently purchased on Revelation and Daniel talking about just the complexity uh, of the book. And, and, and you know what? I, I got, I'm looking at my wall here. I got some charts and graphs 
of end times. But you know what? At the end of the day, my goal really is just to make revelation about learning and revealing Jesus. Because that's what John was trying to do. Just show Jesus. If we see Jesus, he said, if I, if I be lifted up in the earth, I will draw all men unto me. If we show people, if we show people Jesus, that's, that's what's going to change our life and their lives. Jesus. Not Muhammad, not Buddha, not Mormonism, not Jehovah Witness, not the Krishna religion, not transcendental meditation, not any other other hundreds of world religions and cults and faiths. There's only one way to heaven. I know people say all roads lead to Rome. Well, they may lead to Rome, but they don't lead to heaven. Jesus said, if you come by any other way, you come by a you come as a thief and a robber. You ain't gonna be climbing no wall or busting through no windows. You gotta come through the door. You gotta come through him, through Jesus. If other people want to believe other stuff, hey, I I respect your right to choice. People that want to be Islamic, people that want to be Jewish, uh, I mean in Jewish Judaism, because there are Jewish people that are Christians, but people that want to explore other faiths, that's your prerogative. Beware. But as for, I, I, I feel much like Joshua did in Joshua chapter 24, verse 15. As for me and my house, you might worship gods on the other side of the river, you may worship idols and cults and other faiths. You might be into just a religion, a religious, or um, being um, kind of like an atheist or agnostic. That's fine. But as for me and my house, speaking as for me and Otis here, we will serve the Lord. Amen. Amen. We will serve the Lord. I can't even control what my kids do. My kids are grown. They make their own decisions. They're adults. They're free moral agents. I can't even tell them what to do. I can advise if they're open to it. I can suggest. I can recommend even if they would listen. But at the end of the day, they have to be saved on their own. They have to make their choices. They're responsible for the consequences. But as for me and my house, us here at 591 Dade Lane, we will serve the Lord. We will serve the Lord. We will serve the Lord. So I'll close by just reading Revelation uh, 1, 3, 1, 3 again. The New Living says, God blesses the one who reads the words of this prophecy to the church, and he blesses all who listens to his message and obey what it says, for the time is near. That's, that's really all I have time to cover today other than our Monday morning moment, which essentially repeats that. The Monday morning moment is the key to blessings from Scripture is to read, listen, and obey. Isn't that good? Yeah. Revelation 1.3. That's, that's, that's the moral of today's sermon as I close. Read, 
listen, and obey. That's just so reminiscent of Ezra. Ezra in chapter 7, verse 10. If I remember correctly, Ezra said that I have prepared, Ezra prepared his heart to learn God's word, to obey God's word, to, to live God's word, and to teach God's word. So Ezra, Ezra added four things. Um, Revelation has three here in verse one, but I like Ezra 7.10. He prepared his heart. He studied God's word. He, he practiced or obeyed God's word. And then he taught God's word. Four. And we just do three because all of us aren't teachers, but we can even teach by our lifestyle. So I think in that in that uh in that regard, we all are, are teachers. We're all disciples. We're all ambassadors for Christ. According to Matthew 28, 19, our charge is to go ye therefore into all the or all the world. You know, teaching. You know, that that's a charge that disciples got, but I think it could be used for all believers that we all are in and of ourselves evangelists. So Monday morning moment. The key to blessings from scripture, read, listen obey dear lord we thank you for your word this morning we ask that it would bless us lord may you be glorified in our service and may your people be edified in jesus name amen i sent to you guys uh be a berean and the be a berean part